face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Hi, and welcome to... Another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, in which we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek. And in particular, we are focused on Star Trek The Next Generation. We've made it to season two. Uh, The Doctor joins me once again. And uh, Doctor, last time you had to uh, depart because your Imzadi called you on the phone. Would you call her your Imzadi? Yes, that would be the appropriate term. Excellent. Um, so that's fine. Family first, you know, relationships first on Starfleet Boy. But I want to say a few things that I didn't get to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. About I the last episode. Cut that short. No, the last okay. episode, which sucked, uh, you wanted to say. I just wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I thought. Well, I disagreed with you, obviously. I don't think that the episode sucked. I gave it a seven. You gave it a zero. Um, But I think the one thing I just wanted to say, I started to say in a rush, was how I was comparing it to Encounter at Farpoint, and I thought about it, and I don't really think I should... It's not a fair comparison, but I do think that, like, as far as science fiction goes, this was pretty deep stuff. You know, the, the idea of an alien... Uh, life form that's unlike us. It's basically a little energy star, little tiny energy star. Who knows how this creature could manifest itself. And then it chooses to go through the process of becoming a human by becoming corporeal, going through birth and life and even death. And I thought that was a cool thing. And, you know, you said Jesus Christ, this was a bad episode not unlike the story of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which is why I said, yes. <laughs> Precisely my point. Um, I actually think, um, you know, if there had been some kind of dialogue maybe stating, oh, others of us have, this is how we explore the universe and uh, we visited Earth before, I don't know, something provocative like that. I think even that would have made it somewhat more interesting. But um, I think the all-new life form that we encounter in today's episode is much more interesting. So I will let you give us the episode summary for Where Silence Has Lease. Oh, Okay. Um, it's a very simple episode. You could do it. You could do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I actually, I believe the episode doesn't start off with uh, Picard uh, somewhat worried aboard the bridge. 
and he uh, shares his, his worries with Troy because Worf and Riker are uh, are in, in in some sort of combat inside the holodeck, and uh, that goes on for about ten minutes, which is fun. And uh, once uh, that's over, the plot really begins where they uh, encounter a strange hole in space. Um, and uh, in true, in, in true uh, spirit of exploration, they, uh, they go investigate and um, they think they're right on the edge of it. And they think they're okay, and they're very curious because it it, it doesn't uh, you know it, it doesn't uh, it appears to elude uh, all of their um, sensors and stuff. Uh, suddenly, they're inside of it. It's like uh, they just get snatched into it, and they try to escape, and they find they can't escape. And suddenly they encounter, uh, if I'm not mistaken, first it's the Romulans, right? Yeah, Romulans first. <clears throat> and uh, they're, dis- they're dispatched pretty easily, and it's kind of curious. And then all of a sudden the USS Yumato shows up. Yeah. And uh, Riker and Worf board it, and they have some uh, scenes that are, quite, uh, that are very, very similar to scenes I've seen in Doctor Who many times. Uh, where, uh, you know, they think they're on the bridge and they go through the turbo lift doors and suddenly they're on the bridge. <laughs> so there's two bridges and this drives Worf a little batty. And uh, they come back to the Enterprise and they realize that they're being watched and observed by something called a Nagilum. Uh, am I pronouncing it right? Nagilum. Nagilum. And uh, Nagilam is... uh like Voldemort, that impression you just did. <laughs> Nagilam is more like, I am Nagilam. I am Nagilam, yes. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, he's kind of like a more malevolent... Malevolent. Mal, thank you for forgetting how to speak English. Uh, a version of Q... And uh, he actually ends up killing uh, one of their uh, crewmen aboard uh, the ship. Who's wearing a red uniform. Who's wear- he's a red shirt. So he's- <laughs> Even though Picard is a red shirt, too, and Sarah Riker. But, yeah, it's, yeah. Not as, it's not the same as on the original series. Right. And, um, yeah, he's just kind of playing with them. And Picard is like, I'm not having any of this. We're going to set self-destruct. You're not going to... You're not going to study all 599 versions of death that human beings can uh, endure. And uh, Nagilam tries to uh, convince Picard uh, not to do this in the form of Data and and Troy. And he realizes just how steadfast uh, humans are in the face of uh, such a trial. And uh, Nagilam lets them go. And they're on their merry way, but not without a, a final little face to face between Picard and Nagilam, where Picard uh, basically says, "You know, the next time we face each other, it'll be in our space." And we never see Nagilam again. And we never see <laughs> Nagilam again. And and probably for good reason. 
Really? <laughs> I I liked the episode. I didn't think it was great. I thought that we you kind of wow. <laughs> you kind of touched that on that in your uh, description. Very nice, by the way. Um, it, he was a little, you know, I'm, I don't know. All these all, all powerful kind of encounters with all powerful beings seem to end in a in a match where it's a self destruct, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of. I thought this was a lot simpler not much happening episode than the, the opener was. Um, there were a lot of things I did like about it. I did love the uh, holodeck calisthenics with Worf and Riker and uh, you know how Riker actually has to tell him Lieutenant. Yeah. That was a, that was a little <laughs> weird. What was yeah, Well, it seems like Worf when he's hot, you know, like when he's incensed, you have to really uh, snap him back into reality. And um, he gets incensed oh, a couple times because on the Yamato, he's kind of batty as well. Uh, it's, there's, they're establishing something. I don't think they, they really take this too far anymore. I can't recall, but they're, they're putting in a little unstableness here to Worf, you know, I'm, that perhaps I, he can't, I, he can't control like his. That. Well, it's, it suggests that he can't control his Klingon, instincts or desires or nature and you know uh very strange very strange indeed i like the nod in the music to the original series in that um holodeck fight scene i don't know if you noticed but the uh oh there's uh khan is loose in the city again i don't know khan uh <laughs> oh boy well, anyways, the um, yeah, I thought I thought the nod with the music was really nice. Um, what was the nod? What was the music? There's like a lot of like this. Da, 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 da. Oh, you mean when Worf is fighting um, the the enemies on the oh, Worf and Riker? Okay. Yeah. okay, I see, I see. I wasn't sure what you were talking about. Yeah, it was kind of like during a, that scene. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. I do think that um, the Yamato was interesting. What is that? What are you showing us? Oh, this is this is our uh, the Wharf action figure in the now appropriate uh, yellow security uniform here. <laughs> Very nice. Yes, indeed. Go ahead. Very nice. Um, yeah, we don't have Tasha. Wharf is head of security. Um, that was interesting also, uh, kind of Worf getting spooked on the bridge and he immediately requests uh, Red Alert. And, and that was like a weird kind of tense moment where Par- Picard's like, why? You know? Right. And, and did, did you think he was going to tell the story from Star Trek 1? About the, uh, the, the V'ger cloud, right? Yeah. I thought maybe, yeah, it was interesting. Maybe that was a nod to that. You never one never knows. It could have been like a a little nod to the cloud. Um I thought uh, you know, again, Dr. Pulaski was there and she kind of uh makes the analogy that they're in some kind of lab or rat maze and Counselor Troy agrees and and you know then the episode had a very creepy feel yeah, to it, um, which I liked. I 
And then I thought it was like really all continued with this like horror aspect to it when, yeah. um, when the lieutenant or the you know the the um, tactical off not tactical but the navigation officer is killed. I thought that was horrifying too, especially since he dies in such a like a weird kind of he's like in a fetal position and it's just very like sad. You know that scene, Haskell. Haskell, thank you. Um, but Nagilam, you know, I remember being creeped out by him when I first saw this episode. Watching it again this time, I wasn't as creeped out, but I also thought he wasn't the best adversary. Like, I thought it was just an interesting concept, but I don't think it went. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because in the previous episode, you have like three different things happening. You have the Wesley story, you have the virus, the, you know, the plasma virus, and then you have the main story with Council Troy. And this one, you don't, it's really all about just like how the crew reacts to being, you know, in this um, experiment. And so I thought that maybe they could have, there was room for perhaps another story in there, um, another major story or something like that. But I don't know, it was just not not terribly exciting to me. Um it was cool to see another galaxy class ship, although it looked exactly the same on the inside. It's just the enterprise yeah. emptied out. Um, yeah. And that's about it. I mean, like I thought it was just a very light, it was very science fictiony, but it was also very light and it was nothing new, no concepts that we hadn't seen or, or hadn't been through before. And then I thought again, like just like in the Binar episode, um, their solution is to put this ship into auto destruct. And that's what, you know, ends up being the ten- the tense moment. And this, I thought the same thing, you know, I like that scene where they're like, Oh, let's give the crew 20 minutes. It's like an arbitrary thing. And everyone's just kind of really, you know, preparing for this, uh, this moment. What would you have done had you been the captain and you had a Nagilum giving you an ultimatum where he was going to kill off half your crew in an experiment or you had to self-destruct the ship? What would you have chosen? Um, I don't know if I would have chosen self-destruct so readily, uh, but I guess based on the evidence they had seen already, um, they, uh, you know, uh, I guess Picard thought that was the best action. And, um, you know, I, I actually completely disagree with you for the very reasons you stated um i want to i i thought you know the you know the last episode did have sort of three running plots and um actually we didn't talk much about the uh the secondary plot in the last episode of the medical emergency with with actually the great character actor seymour cassell that's right right. shocked that he was in this episode because he does nothing he absolutely nothing in the episode um i I think those plots you know ultimately they don't amount to much um i like the razor focus of this episode on just this situation i like this episode because there are no other distractions uh from the the um, the investigation into this anomaly, which um, you know at the beginning uh, appears to be something quite baffling, but uh, you know well within 
the purview of other things that the enterprises come across, and then all of a sudden it becomes something else completely. And uh, I think this episode shows really the danger of uh, this starship going where no man has gone before. Uh, the uh, the fact that the ship has families and and you know uh, uh, civilians aboard uh, kind of adds an extra edge to these stories because you realize you know when he's when he's declaring himself destruct it's not just people who have um who have joined starfleet knowing full well the uh you know that they may lose their life you know from one moment to the next but their families which of course they've also you know obviously given some thought to it but they're not so accustomed to that um, but I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I, I liked how it was a mystery. Um, I liked the creepy atmosphere. I, and it was a bottle show, let's face it. Um, the whole episode takes place essentially aboard the Enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, and the Yamato, which is the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought it was an effective bottle show. Um, I liked seeing how I really liked that scene where Picard is in his ready room and it is within those 20 minutes. And what is he doing? He's reading a book and he's got classical music playing. And I'm thinking, wow, that's what Picard is doing in his last 20 minutes. I mean, I, I think that offers some, and he's alone, mm. right? Mm. He's uh, a that's captain. Dr. Crusher is Starfleet at Starfleet medical. I think he would have been, Hanging out Maybe not. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I think Picard would still be alone. I think so. You know, um, compare that to episodes of the original series where Kirk is on the bridge with his crew, whom he's ready to to die for uh, at a moment's notice. Um, Picard is alone in his in his quarters, listening to to that music. I thought I, I I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I think it's all. I think it is interesting, actually. Great point because later on we know that later Picard perhaps would spend his time with the crew. Um, perhaps you know, post season seven, Picard. It takes seven oh, post seasons. season seven. <laughs> it takes him seven seasons to finally play uh, a game. You know, poker game. Yes. You know, so it's like. But I think that he does, you know, he does find his family, so to speak, um, later on. I thought, so Nagilam, I guess one thing I thought about Nagilam this time is like, you know, I understood that uh, he's de- he's definitely a character with some kind of Q-like ability, you know. Uh, he could assume the, he could assume, you know, the form of others. Uh, this cloud thing envelops the Enterprise. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not known whether Nagilam is the cloud or if he's creating the cloud or what's happening, you know, he, you know, he does all these, he's able to control Dr. Pulaski. I find it funny that he focuses on her and not counselor Troy when he's examining the crew's genders. And he's like, he notices that she's a female before he notices counselor Troy as a female. That was interesting. But, uh, (laughs) you know, he's like kind of able to poke around. He doesn't really have a sense of, I got the impression and they did a really good job that Nagilam was very like dispassionate, unemotional and unconcerned with like the kind of human 
uh, idea of what you know, value for life in the way that humans value it. And, you know, he had all these, he even had this impression. He thought that humans, after we die, we go into oblivion, which was an assumption on his part. And I like that scene later where uh, Picard is explaining that, like, to some people, there is a life after death. And to some of them, he's explaining to data, to data, yeah. is in the form of data, is in the form when the Gillum is in the form of data. And, and didn't you think that was, didn't you think that was interesting? I did. I thought that was a standout scene. Yeah. Absolutely. What I didn't like, though, is at the end, though, then after, you know, after the whole thing, Nagilam suddenly changes character, I thought, and starts accusing the crew of barbarism and, you know, the humanity rather of barbarism and like, you know, being, you know, just because they were going to, they didn't want to suffer and instead they wanted to just end it all with like, you know, the self-destruct sequence. And, you know, it begs the question, like, well, why wouldn't Nagilam just let them do it and watch and observe all the deaths in that way? You know, <laughs> like everyone's, well, you know, everyone's yeah, dying in a different perhaps way. Perhaps he has already. Yeah. It's a good point. But I thought it was interesting that here's this being that, like, seems to us so um, malevolent and cruel and unkind accusing humans of the same thing and that Which part was Q. i mean q does accuses us all the time and he's can and he also does these kind of crazy acts of but of, he, he yeah. his his edge is a little less than nagilam's i think nagilam is is much creepier and much more insidious and 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 q uh comes across a little more at times a little more comical and uh, I liked Nagilam. Uh, he, I, I thought the way he trapped, he baited and trapped the Enterprise was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to compare uh, the first episode of the season and this one, again, you have two very uh, different life forms from humans, and they're both exploring what makes humans tick in their own way. The first one did it through um, uh, impregnating himself into Troy and uh, forcing her to have him as a, (laughs) as a, as a a baby. And uh, this one is doing it by, uh, you know, a series of experiments, mind games with the crew. Um, I like this one. I like the creepy atmosphere. I liked, I liked seeing how the, the crew reacted to different things. Uh, although admittedly Worf is completely out of character throughout the whole episode. <laughs> um, or they, I don't know. I don't know if he's, yeah, he is pretty out of character. I don't know if they, what they were trying to do, but yeah, you're right. Like his paranoia and all that stuff was kind of weird. I think it's funny. I don't know if you've seen on YouTube, there's a bunch of, uh, there's like a video about all the times <laughs> Worf makes a suggestion and and it's turned down. And turned down, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. Riker did say, I agree with our chief of security and, you know, say that we should be cautious. I guess the moral of this episode, um, you know, which they say, <laughs> basically they say this at the end of the episode, is stay 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 away from holes. Right, which is, you know, <laughs> if Voyager would have taken that advice, they probably would have gotten home a lot faster. <laughs> 
So, I mean, you know, I don't know what, uh, you know. What, what is our, fa- our favorite book? Tell us about this episode, Doctor. Oh, the book. Um, the, where's the book? You have the book. The book. The book. I didn't even look at the book. Do you remember the name of the episode? Where Silence Has Least. There we go. Very good. <laughs> Apparently, the person who was supposed to be in the episode uh, playing Nagilam was uh, Richard Mulligan. Do you remember oh, who that was? Oh, why do I know who that is? Empty Nest. Oh, and so, oh, interesting. Okay. So, hence the, um, the name Nagilam is uh, the reverse spelling of Mulligan. That's cool. He reminded me of House in Doctor Who a little bit. Did he? A little bit, just a little bit. Oh, by the way, the music playing in Picard's scene that you described earlier is uh, Eric Satie, Gymnopédie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. This episode... Um Yeah, that's pretty much all that just <laughs> that's really the only thing interesting um uh that the book uh, notes about this episode. I think um, that I think that the um the uh anomaly in space was interesting because it visually it reminded me of uh what we might think of, of as dark matter perhaps. And perhaps, yeah. you know, there are beings that live in this dark matter. You know, I like the fact that the the um, the the show showed the Enterprise doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is going out into space, searching for you know uh, new life and and encountering you know exploring anomalies and stuff like that. And um, you know, they did, and they got caught in this strange experiment, and and they almost paid the ultimate price. Uh, but, um, you know, they got out, thank goodness. Uh, but I like the episode. I give, I, I've always enjoyed, uh, the episode Nagilam. I, I always look forward to seeing more of Nagilam. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see more of Nagilam in the, in the reboot series. It says I on know. IMDb that the, uh, skeleton, the skeleton, skull-faced opponent was a nod to, Ske- an actual nod to Skeletor. Really? E-Man. Yeah, it says here, in the holodeck program, Riker and Worf fight in a skull-faced opponent, a nod to Skeletor, the main antagonist from the cartoon He-Man. Wow. The so it's Worf versus uh, Skeletor. Skeletor. And we all know that Skeletor stands no chance. The great Franklin Jella. <laughs> um, I also want to say that, um, you know, Pulaski was on board the bridge. And I think even though we've only had two episodes, I think we've seen Pulaski on the bridge more often than we've had Crusher on the bridge. That's because Dr. Crusher was doing her job in sick bay and Dr. Pulaski is not doing her job. (laughs) Well, 
but it does hearken to the bones because bones ended up on the bridge a lot, you know. Right, and I series, think yeah. if they had exactly, I th- that's exactly where I was going. I think if they had allowed Crusher to be on the bridge more, then she would have felt more of a vital part of the stories. I think it's interesting that right away. Uh, we have a big change in that. And, of course, Deanna Muldar was a veteran of, of, uh, of the previous Star Trek, having appeared in several episodes. She was a friend of Gene Roddenberry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, uh, I think she may have um, uh, pushed a little on that and said, you know <laughs> what, if I'm going to be on the show, I'm going to be on the show. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I do know uh, the the scene you said. Oh, it was curious. You were. like, oh, why did they pick up Pulaski over Troy? Um, I think. I think it's because Troy's already been manhandled by aliens a little too much so far. No, I think it's because <laughs> it's again. It's look. I am Diana Muldar. I am one of the you know one of the cast of this of the show. I'm doing stuff, okay? I'm not here just to uh, uh, make phone calls from sickbay. So, um, which I appreciate. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> that should be a series of, uh, of little phone calls from sickbay. <laughs> Jean-Luc. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle's sequel is phone calls from sick bay. Phone calls from sick bay. <laughs> so, w- what do we uh, <laughs> what do we say about this episode? What, what ratings do we give this episode? I'm gonna say I give this episode. Uh, I, originally, I was gonna give it a five, but after this discussion, I'm gonna bump it up to uh, six. Wow. (laughs) You convinced me a little bit. (laughs) That's what this show's about. I agree with you. This episode is a six. Oh, wow. We're in Concord. 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 Yes. Yes. This is not a perfect. I agree with you in the sense that I agree with you that, yeah, this is once again, another life form with Q like powers, uh, uh, you know, uh, where they, I mean, you know, been there, done that. Uh, I think the Gillum had its, uh, his own unique qualities, but you're right. It's the same crap. Um, <laughs> you know, also the fact that he, you know, something about his look uh, and his, not really his look, but something about his um, attitude towards, the crew also reminded me of uh, what's what's skin of evil. What's the name of that oh, guy? Um, Armus. Armus. Uh, great point. It, he's just like that. It's kind of like a, you know, he's Armus, but and out a, there, right? And a crew member dies. Yeah, a crew member dies. Uh, you know, we've seen this before. Um, you know, the if the, I mean, if the first season could be accused of mining the original show for ideas. Now the second season, the show is mining episodes from the first season. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. So um, I think we also with, especially with the first half of the season, 
as with the last half of uh, the very, very last half of last season, we must always keep in mind is the uh, the writer's strike that that was happening at the time, uh, which is what led to using a script from the Star Trek phase two in the last episode. Uh, right and, and, and in this episode, I think there was a lot of what you would pra- probably uh, characterize as filler. Right. Um, certainly the 10 minutes of Riker and uh, Worf uh, fighting on the holodeck uh, went on for a bit too long. And uh, I mean, I enjoyed it, but when you really think about it in context of the episode, it went on for a bit longer than it should have. And it's probably because they had nothing else to do. Uh, there was no script. So I think they had the bare minimum um, with these episodes. So um, I vaguely recall there being figures of those guys. Is that wrong? I don't have any of them. I wish there had been. I don't oh, think okay. they do have figures of the two that perhaps the one that didn't look like Skeletor, I think may have turtle had a man. figure. Turtle man. Wasn't he like a turtle guy? Yeah. But Skeletor didn't have a figure. Okay. Unfortunately, it was really cool though. The makeup, uh, I've, let me just say the makeup this season has improved vastly over last season. Um, those two creatures, even and, Worf. And certainly Worf. Absolutely yeah. Worf. Uh, you know, is this, now, uh, what's his classic the name? look, uh, you know. Yeah. Is this, what's his name? Westmoreland, right? Michael Westmoreland or something like that? Westmore. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Is it Westmore or Westmoreland? I don't know why. I think it's Westmore. Oh, okay. I don't know why I inserted the land into that. That was the weird. The land of Westmore. Sorry. Um, here we go. Sorry. Let's look at Makeup department, Michael Westmore. Yep, makeup supervisor. I don't know why I thought you had a land in your name, Mister Westmore. He should. <laughs> he should. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of Westworld. <laughs> um, also, I believe uh, Pulaski has another moment of uh, of data bashing in this episode. Does she not? When he's on the bridge. Oh, remind me. I can't remember. I was hoping you'd remember. <laughs> but um, but it's actually accumulating to, which I like, by the way, and this is an argument against Galdu Scott's um, supposition that uh, Star Trek Penetration doesn't really carry things over episode to episode. But we are accumulating a little bias and a little prejudice here. And then in the next episode, we're going to kind of bring that into fruition uh, with Elementary My Dear Data. And I'll give you guys a little preview here. Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yes, I have props. But uh... <laughs> oh my. this time you have the props. I have the book. <laughs> you, have, you have the book. <laughs> Anyways, um, since we gave it our, our – I guess we're going to have to <laughs> – I don't know what moment you're talking about, but I know – what you're talking about because she's been doing it uh, where she doesn't believe data is um, as amazing as everyone else says. (laughs) So I have to, uh, well, maybe I should, maybe I should save this question for the next episode. Well, I will. Okay. Well, write it down though, because I don't want you to forget because I always forget things. No, I know exactly (laughs) what I want to ask you. Okay. Very good. Um, I didn't, 
remember the effects being very extraordinary in this episode. I think it was a way to save save money so that they could do something later on in the season um, with that budget. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, it is a great, it's always great when a story can use a minimum amount of special effects and still, you know, and still do something pretty awesome. And I think that like Nagilam really worked. I mean, like it just, it's just a cloud of weird darkness, you know? And it's like that, I think that actually was effective and it did come off as creepy and, no one wants to ever get trapped in something like that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, imagine they're in this space where there's no stars. Mm-hmm. It's just absolute. It's just a black abyss, and and no matter how far they went, it looked like, oh well. That's another thing that I thought was was really uh, effective was when they dropped the buoy. Oh, the sound design was great in the that. The sound design was great. They dropped a buoy. They went speeding uh, uh, full speed ahead and they find the same buoy. Right. I mean, but talk about a mind like, fuck. But it's also all done through a clever sound design. You don't actually see the buoy. You don't see the buoy. Yeah, it's all, again, really good. I would have to say, again, solid storytelling from that perspective. Um and, and, you know, so, the, yeah, the episode does have some wins, I agree. I mean, you see the, sh- the crew of doing their jobs very effectively, and, and, and they just keep running into these walls, and they're like, what the hell is going on? Right. And it's, it's Nagalem. And um, I don't know. Do you, uh, you know what? I want to give this a 6.5 now. You're you're going to raise it up just for the buoy? raise it up just a little bit because I just remembered the buoy. Boom. Boom. I don't know. I, don't, I just kind of... As it was approaching, it got louder and louder and louder. And you're like, holy shit. The, in general, in season two, everything's kind of amped up, I have to say. Like, again, I was really cognizant of the the lighting, the the way that the shots are framed and lit were beautiful. I do like the darker bridge, the dimmer bridge. And we, you know, we get a, we get that even more. Uh, There's scenes like, for example, in engineering where they're confirming with Jordy, if they are in fact in, you know, in warp, warp drive, you know, at warp speed. Um, And there's that it's, it's beautiful. It's just dark. Like you, you see Jordy through the glass, that separates the 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 um the warp core the warp core and the engineering section and it's just like dark darkly lit and very moody and very real and you see a reflection of the warp core in the glass i i don't know i just like i feel like they've really stepped up the the visual game right well, yeah, it's, it's, it is it's a, tight, a close-up of him, right? It's a tight it shot. A tight shot but I could have sworn there was someone in the background, but you get the impression that it's not. I mean, engineering doesn't seem empty. Uh, one thing that is kind of weird is that the uh, self-destruct has to be initiated from engineering. <laughs> what if you can't get to engineering? <laughs> like, yeah, right? <laughs> shouldn't you be able to initiate the self-destruct from the bridge? And actually you can, because later on, when they do initiate, because this is not going to be the first time. I don't, I feel like this is not the last time we see a self-destruct strategy. Occurring. It just feels more, <laughs> it feels better when it's from engineering. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of say, I have to say like, I can't even remember the destruct sequence 
uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation, but like the best one is Star Trek Three: Destruct. Oh. Zero. 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 Destruct. Yeah, it's like, like, uh, <laughs> you can't beat that one. Really. You really can't. You really can't. And then and you've got uh, the countdown. You've got yeah. an audible countdown, which this one's lacked. <laughs> yeah, they well, they chose not to use it. but chose, uh, Oh, that's right. They did choose not to. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, again, I hope, I think that maybe I'm just a little, I was just a little bit like, you know, I understood that that was the only option, but it's just like, and understanding the context that you gave with the writer strike and everything, I could see what's going on. I say as a, I'm an, I'm actually a proponent for filler episodes because I think there's a lot of interesting world building that occurs, a lot of interesting backstories that can be brought to light, and a lot of other interesting kind of like side stories that you can't really have in a action packed or or you know plot severely plot driven episode and i think so you we do get that in fact we do get a little insight on wharf we get like you said we do get some insight on picard's nature and his character and and a lot of other things so yeah i do think that there's a lot of exposition in this episode that is worthy so i'm actually gonna follow suit and raise the 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 score to 6.5 also i oh wow we just gotta keep talking about it we'll keep it'll get to be a 10 by the end you know what i i was just thinking now you know um uh the enterprise faced uh destruction in star trek 2 uh, when they thought they were not going to outrun the destruction of the Genesis planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where is Kirk? Where is Kirk? He is on the bridge of the Enterprise asking everybody, you know, asking Chekhov how much longer, you know. Uh, and and he, he's so tightly wound up. He's just there. He's, he's, he's just... He can't, he can't stand it. Kirk, Kirk can't stand. Kirk can't stand. And I think that this is... Uh, no one scenario. Yeah, well, and I'm going to give the Kelvin uh, timeline some credit here. Again, I think the first movie is just exquisite. Um, all you know, we're holding our breath for <laughs> for Star Trek Beyond, uh, or at least I am. And Star Trek Into Darkness was great until the last the last sequence. But I mean, I, I have to give the Kelvin timeline some credit, like Chris and Chris Pine, who unfortunately made some remarks about Star Trek that I don't agree with. But um, I have to give the Kelvin timeline credit here is that like you do get that same sense of that Kirk does not like to lose. He doesn't like to lose. He he is so ferociously optimistic about. Like there's his, always a way out. There's always a way out. Yeah, and 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 righteous in a sense. Like he good out, outweighs bad or evil. You know, <laughs> so different a different captain. Uh, you're right, Captain Kirk would be on the bridge, nervous as anything, trying to figure out a way to outsmart Nagilam all the way till the end. Um, and Picard's just like, well, f that. If you're gonna kill half my crew, I'm not gonna give you the pleasure. <laughs> right exactly exactly he's just like forget it man. he's a lot more logical of a captain and he's more he's he's dispassionate he's not he's uh he's more he's more driven by by uh logic and and actual you know reason i think than 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 kurt might be um 
oddly enough, we, we had a conversation at work uh, on Friday. About, it was a very apocalyptic conversation. Uh, and it involved, uh, uh, I guess, because of all that's what's happening right now with the Russians and uh, how we're, we're um, I don't know if you're aware, we're, we're actually, this, this is going to sound like this podcast is very dated, but it's not. It's 2016. And uh, we're uh, ramping up um, military uh, uh, we're sending more soldiers into Eastern Europe along the east uh, the border with uh, Russia, especially in Poland. So it's making the Russians very nervous. So uh, you know, we were just talking about the, you know, oh well, you know, we've got our finger over the nuclear button, and they have the uh, button uh, finger over their button. And uh, one guy was saying, well, you know, if the Russians nuke us, I'm running right into it because what's the hell is the point? of of you know surviving in a world post-nuclear and and the other guy was like no i'm going to the shelter i'm going to survive it i'm going to come back out and i'm going to fight them whatever's left of their side and uh so you had these two uh different views on a very apocalyptic situation and and i think um you know, this episode, if this episode could have done anything more, I think it would have been to maybe uh, show us more about how the rest of the crew would have dealt with uh, uh, facing a self-destruct. You know, the first time they did the self-destruct, it was very easy because it was just Picard and Riker aboard the Enterprise. Uh, um, Now this time, Picard is making a decision with the full complement aboard the ship uh and uh if if i can uh criticize the episode it, it would be in that area which is uh i don't think it's a decision you can take lightly and and i would have liked to have seen um you know more about that of course the scene where data and Troy walk into his into his ready into his uh, i'm sorry into his quarters you think that's where it's going to go Mm-hmm. especially when data is asking about death and it sounds like oh it's something very plausible that data would be asking in this situation but then you realize there's something off about them and um i thought that scene was played very well uh because you know troy has a legit reason for being there as counselor as the person in charge of, you know, I mean, in a situation like that, I think Troy would be immensely uh, uh, important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, of course, Data, being Data, would, would be there asking those questions. So I, I thought that was very clever of the script to use those two characters specifically, and uh, especially, you know, for that scene. And then, you know, it, it would have been easy to, to trick Picard with those two characters, especially. Uh, but, of course, Picard doesn't, and I forget what it is that tips him off at the end, but it's I think it's, it's they I think because they start advocating for no oh, they call him Jean Luc don't they? Uh, yeah, they do. That's right. They that's 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 the that's the dead giveaway there. They would never call him that. So um, that is true. That's a great. I thought that was a great scene. So um, yeah, I think. The fact that I've managed to elevate your rating, <laughs> I feel my job is done here. <laughs> no, it's a, a really good, great points. And I think that's, uh, 
you know, one of the reasons why I really love these discussions is because it, uh, watching a show like Star Trek, there's so much information and it's so nuanced and yet so that you can have so many different interpretations from the same thing. And it's nice to uh, get together once a week and, and talk about these things. And, and yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to be wrong about what I thought, um, anytime. <laughs> so on that note, uh, on that note, I think we've wrapped it up for this episode. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. All right. Well, I'll see you very soon, uh, to talk about our next exciting installment of Star Trek The Next Generation and live long and prosper, doctor. All right.